All right. Good morning. Hey, he forgot to mention the marriage group. Uh, just messing. <laughs> hey, so if you are uh, married or engaged, this Saturday, 5.30 p.m., marriage group, and uh, we have a potluck, and we're going to be learning about conflict resolution skills. So you know you want to be there. Tom and Deb are going to put on boxing gloves. It's going to be a great time. But uh, awesome. Hey, turn, uh, turn in your Bibles somewhere. Just messing. Um, <laughs> turn your Bibles to Psalm 27, but uh, hold on to that spot because we're going to take a few minutes to get there. But today, we're going to continue to press into this series called Overcome. It's a great name for a series because it's exactly what we're doing. Yeah? We're overcoming. The Lord has been teaching us this whole year how to overcome strongholds in our life. Sin, lies of the enemy, deception from the enemy, anger. We've talked about anger, anxiety, and worry. And today, the Lord wants to set us free from fear. The Lord wants to just cut that thing out and set you free from fear that might be crippling you in your life, in your ministry, in your relationships. It's something that is really at the core of every single one of us, and the Lord wants us free. We've already learned that we, because of who we are in Christ, are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, right? Because of Jesus, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and we've been learning that we have the power to overcome because He purchased that freedom at the cross. Remember, remember we learned, He didn't just purchase your forgiveness at the cross, You're not just forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. That's good. Amen? Praise God. We get to go to heaven. We get to spend eternal life with Jesus because he's dealt with our sin issues. But he didn't just do that. He paid the whole thing at the cross. Amen? He paid for your freedom. And he has put his Holy Spirit inside of you that you could walk in freedom. And so that we've been learning, how do you walk in the Spirit? Because you remember what Galatians 5.16 says? Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. We have this flesh. We have this old uh, man, this old person, or old habits, or old ways of thinking, or old, or old uh, ways of doing things and talking. And yet, when we walk in the Spirit, we overcome those things. Amen? So we might wrestle. We might wrestle, but we will overcome. So we're learning how do, we, how do we get stronger and overcome, and today, specifically that thing called fear. The Lord doesn't want you to walk in that. And so remember, we've looked at, we've looked at a few, we've looked at three specific things that are vital for us overcoming. Because Jesus said, remember in John 8, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the And the what? The truth will set you free, right? The truth will set you free. And so what we've been seeing is that it's his word that has the power to set us free. And what does he have in his word? What does he have in his word? Number one, he wants to expose lies. Remember Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I came to shine as a light. And remember in John 3, he said, men hate the light because they don't want their deeds exposed. Well, that's not us, right? That's the people in the world who don't want their deeds exposed. But we who have surrendered to Jesus, we want the light of his word to expose things. The Bible tells us what sin is. And what the lie is, uh, the lie as the root issue of that sin is. Why? So we can feel bad about ourselves and so God can beat us up and make us feel condemned? No, not at all. Jesus wants to set us free, right? And so just like a good doctor We'll diagnose the, the, the problem. We've got a great doctor who will diagnose and say, this is the root issue of your problem. Theology, they call it harmartiology. Isn't that a great word? It's called the study of sin. They actually had that. You, you could become a harmartiologist. I'm <laughs> just messing. You, you can study sin in the Bible. Why? Because only the Bible can tell us what sin really is, huh? Only, the Bi- only God can say, this is right and this is wrong. This is truth and this is light. We need the Word of God to expose lies in our life, don't we? We need the Word of God like a light to shine and say, that's the lie you're believing. Without the Word of God, you won't even know the lie you're believing. So many times in my life, I didn't even know what the problem was, except that God told me through the Word. 
The Holy Spirit revealed through the Word. Number two, he wants to, uh, for us to discover the truth. Right? The promises. The truth that will set us free. That ha- the, the Word that has the power to deliver us from that thing. And then three, strategies. Remember, every command and all the principles of wisdom in the Word of God, they're not there to boss you around and control you. Every command of God is for your own good. He is a good God, and He only created you, and He's only made promises for your good. And so all the commands are God. I like to think of them as strategies. They're like our commander-in-chief. They're like our coach telling us how to win, how to win at this thing called life. And by win, I mean to honor and glorify Him, to walk in freedom and blessing in my life, and also to serve others. So, So I don't mean win in some selfish way. So God wants to expose the lie or the root of that sin. He wants to expose, you wants to reveal the truth or the promise to overcome and then the strategies to walk. Okay, so what's the lie behind fear? What is that? Number two, what's the truth that's going to set us free? And number three, what are the strategies? We need strategies from God, don't we? So let's ask the Lord for that, okay? Let's ask the Lord as we dive in and let him set us free from, uh, from fear. So, Father, I thank you that you want to set us free from fear today, and you want to set us free from everything that would hinder us from the fullness of life and from glorifying you and and, uh, blessing others. So, Father, we invite you right now. Expose every lie. Lord, speak through me and reveal your truth. And I pray as we go through some scriptures and, and give strategies, because I know they're not all of them, I ask for the revelation of the Lord to give your people specific strategies for them for them lord speak to them so we open our hearts lord to receive from you today in jesus name amen amen um really i think i should call this series uh dave has lots of issues series right i mean really i thought about that like let's put it on say like come here how your pastor uh, was screwed up right and how god's delivered him because really i mean some of the things we've talked about Though the Lord spoke to me specifically about, let's deal with these things. These things I have struggled with so much in my life. Like we've talked about anger, talked about anxiety. And I have trusted the Lord, and I've implemented these strategies. Many of the things I've shared with you were prophetic words from God to me. As I cried out to the Lord, I need you. And he has set me free. And of course, I still struggle with some of these things but not the same, right? I'm not, I'm not under the weight of these things. Things like anger or fear are not twisting me up like a pretzel with its knee in my neck anymore. No, but now the Lord has strengthened me and I still wrestle with these things. But I know how to overcome it. I know how to take it down. Like my son, I was watching John David and Corin and Brandon. Clint's been coaching them in wrestling, and I got to watch them this week. It was awesome. It was fun watching these little guys wrestling and learning these moves. They're learning how to use their muscles. It's interesting. Right around that seven years old, six, seven, they're learning how to use their body. That's what the Lord wants us to do in our spirit. He wants us to learn. You have authority. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't put up with this. And he wants to teach us his strategies. But let me tell you, when I was... Before I was 16, I'd say one of the things that characterized me, you know, like I told you before, a lot of the emotions that I would feel would be things like anxiety, and I struggled a lot with anger. Man, I would just explode on people, tear you apart with my words, or, you know, I'd just get out of control with with anger. I mean, you can ask my dad. Like, he'd say, like, yeah, Dave would just go through seasons of just being angry. Like, you know, I've heard him say that before, lovingly so. Uh, but, But fear crippled me. I was deeply afraid, and I would never have used these words, because remember, I told you, I didn't know what the issue was until Jesus showed me, but I was deeply afraid of rejection, you know? When I was in high school, uh, we mo- I moved a bunch in junior high, and that was just an awkward time. I was a little guy, and, and uh, I honestly, I really felt I was stupid speak those words over myself, and so I had a deep insecurity, and I really didn't know what to say, like when I would meet people. You know, so it took me some time to make some friends in junior high and then like freshman year in high school. It was tough. And I just had this deep insecurity about myself and a deep insecurity about my worth, my value, my intelligence, and even like the significance of 
my purpose in life. Deep insecurity. I didn't like myself, and I surely didn't think God liked me. I mean, many of you have heard my testimony, and, and, and it, sometimes it can sound, uh, well, I just thought God hated me. But honestly, it was like that, that fear of con- condemnation, that fear, you know, God's mad at me and going to go to hell. And, um, but even as a Christian, as the Lord would begin to expose these lies and begin to heal me on the inside, it took a lot of time. And I'll tell you what has, what has hindered me more than anything else in ministry and in relationships has been fear. And I needed the Lord to set me free. I needed it. Like in my early Christian walk, I didn't trust people. I would tell people, because I had discovered God's love, and that healed me up, but I would say, I would actually say this, I trust God, but I don't trust people. That's what I would tell them. I mean, I was just really honest, you know? And I had some friends that would begin to kind of pull me out a little bit, but I wouldn't really open up to people. I wouldn't really entrust myself to people. And, um, and I was deeply scared of, you know, close relationships, even, uh, you know, even before I met Michelle, or we were friends, I guess, at the time. I was deeply struggling with that fear of, fa- fear of rejection, I could say. And I wouldn't even have used those words. I just know that I was insecure about it. And I know that if God hadn't dealt with me in those root issues of my life, we would, it wouldn't have worked. Michelle and I would not have worked. God had to heal me before he could really bring us together and then even, not just together, but in a healthy way, in a healthy relationship. But even in ministry, so often fear or insecurity, fear of failure, and the insecurity has paralyzed me. And I see this all the time in people. So many of the reasons why people don't step out and do the calling of God, the ministry God has called them to, is because of fear. Doesn't Jesus say the same thing in that one parable where he says, hey, I'm going to give you ten talents, I'm going to give you five talents, I'm going to give you two talents. And that guy with the two talents went and hit it. Why? Fear. Many people, many of the people of God hide their gifts and run from their calling because of fear. Many people avoid intimacy, intimate relationships, community in the church, will allow fear, shame, condemnation, all the different ways it manifests to keep them either from coming to church or from opening up in community. I'm telling you, this is a deadly thing. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they had one commandment, well, they had two commandments, enjoy, right? Enjoy everything, and then don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their rebellion, rooted in a deception from the enemy, that rebellion poisoned them, didn't it? And you remember they hid, right? They hid, they, they sowed fig leaves, tried to cover up their nakedness because they felt shame, and then they hid. And when God showed up, he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, well, I'm hiding <laughs> because I'm afraid. Remember that? If you don't, you can read it. Was he afraid because God was like, came down like the Hulk, green with like yellow eyes, with a deep and scary voice? Adam, I gave you one command and you can't even keep that. I'm going to rip you from limb to limb, you know? No, he came down, Adam, where, where are you at? I just want to hang out. Where'd you go? Adam's cowering in fear from the presence of God. Sin, our own rebellion against God is at the heart of our own fear. You know that? We are the ones who have polluted our own hearts with our own rebellion. Think of it this way. If Adam, if, if Adam and Eve broke their their faithfulness with God, right? And led each other into sin, how can they ever trust one another? You realize that? You know, this is really at the heart of like things like cohabiting. Because if you cheat on God with one another, how do you know the person's not going to cheat on you when you're married? I'm telling you. It's a lot deeper than we realize. Trust is the bedrock of relationship. And when we undermine that by rebelling against God, 
there's this deep fear of rejection and it's not coming from God. Think about Genesis chapter 3. Is God putting that fear of rejection in them? No. Their own rebellion caused them to fear that God would reject them. That's where condemnation comes from. Guilt, shame. And then what do we do with that? What do we do? How do we, how do we deal with our fear? Oh, we hide our sin. We put on a nice religious veneer. We try to basically control our world and act like we're good and put a bunch of rules and regulations, right? And then judge other people when they don't follow those rules and regulations so we can feel like we're righteous and better than other people. Also, we can avoid feeling a condemnation. This is what, right? I'm telling you that religious spirit is rooted in a fear that God's going to reject us. Why do we hide from relationships? Why do we hide from being vulnerable? We don't trust. Now, from there, it, it gets worse because we live in a broken, fallen world where you have people like, again, Adam and Eve sin against each other. You have Cain and Abel. You know, right? When Cain kills Abel, you, you have broken trust all throughout this world. And so a lot of times our fear is actually rooted in the fact that not only have I sinned against God, but people have hurt me. But let me tell you, if you gossip about people, guess what you're going to be afraid that everyone's doing? Gossip about you. That's what I mean. Our own sin is a root of fear. But then, sometimes, bad things happen, right? We live in a broken, fallen world where demonic things happen or tragedies happen, like a car accident. And it can cause such a paranoia in us, huh? Because in a sense, what we do is we say, see, my fear became reality. And that's where those phobias come in, right? Boy, you ever read a list of phobias? It's insane. I'm not even going to start. Like, it's funny. There's like fears for everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's probably a chairophobia or something, you know? Fear of sitting on chairs because it'll fall or something. But a lot of times those are rooted in actual experience. So a lot of times what God has to do is not just expose the, the lie, which is, I don't, I don't reject you, and lead us to repentance for our own sin, but he needs to heal our hearts, huh? And that's what Isaiah 61 says. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and set captives free. Because sometimes this stuff is very demonic. And other times it's because people have hurt us and all the above. And so, let me just, let's just do this. I just want to focus on the fear of rejection, that fear of failure. That fear of rejection Fear of rejection is rooted in a lie. Rooted in a lie that God, starting with God, but ultimately people as well, of course, will accept you or reject you based upon your performance and not on who you are. At the essence of condemnation or any of these things that we could define separately, I'm just kind of lumping them all together today and just saying they're all bad you know <laughs> you we can define them another day they're all bad at the essence the root of it is that we ultimately believe a lie that god does not accept me love me cherish me delight in me just for who i am and so what happens is my acceptance from god is based upon my performance if i have a good day god likes me if i have a bad day he doesn't like me. If something bad's going on in my life, I figure, well, God must be punishing me. This is the kind of reasoning that we as human beings have. We do the same thing with people. And a lot of times what happens is once we get into a mode like that, we get into performance mentality. This isn't just in religion, but in our marriages and such. Then you're always trying to perform and earn, and you're always going to be resentful. A lot of times people who have rebelled against God, it's because they're just afraid that they're, just mad, they're mad at him because they think he's mad at them. And forget you, I'm done trying to please you. That's what happens. You try to please someone and please someone and please someone, and if they're never pleased with you, you're going to say, forget that, I'm done. And people do that to God, even though God's not like that. And I'm telling you, in marriages, you'll, people, if there's a performance-based marriage, and you're never in a place where you can just trust, you're never in a place where you can rest and be delighted in, for who you are. Think about what 1 John 4, verse 18 says. Perfect love drives out fear. But then it goes on to say, because fear has to do with torment. 
performance. I'm telling you, it always goes back to the thought that if I don't perform, if I'm not perfect, if I make a mistake, somebody's going to punish me. God's going to be mad at me. God's going to withhold his love from me. God's not going to provide for me. I have to do, 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 do before God will like me, delight in me, and help me out. Same thing in, in people marriages, right? Oh, no, you get in a car accident. You know, wife, maybe. Wife gets in a car accident. Oh, no, I'm afraid to call my husband because my husband will be mad at me. Fill in the blank. Something happens, I'm afraid to, because somebody might be mad at me. You probably run that train of thought constantly. Well, I can't do this because they might be mad at me. It might be an individual. It might be a collective mass of people. And usually it's probably the devil who's telling you that they think that, right? And the same thing with fear of failure, isn't it? It's all based about performance. That if I make a mistake, if I fall short, if I fail, people will be mad at me. Or people won't like me. Or I'll be shamed. Or if I fail, then that proves this deep fear of mine that I don't have significance and that my life's not meaningful. And if I fail at this ministry or I fail at this business endeavor or I fail in this class, that's going to prove to me the thing that I've always been afraid of, that I really am I'm not special and I really am dumb or I really am bad or I really am a failure. You see what I'm saying? We're afraid deep down, maybe I really am a failure. Maybe no one really does love me. We're afraid. And that is a root lie. It's rooted deep all the way into Genesis 3 in the deception of the enemy because of our sin and because of the lies of the enemy and the accuser, the liar, Satan. It's rooted there. And so then we're afraid to try because if I try and fail, then everyone will know I really am a failure or I'll know is the worst, right? And so, so much of our life, aren't we doing this? We're just trying to run from fear. We're trying to cope with fear. We're trying to hide from fear. We're trying to hide our sin, hide our failure, act like we're okay, act like we're not going to, right? And so you've got some people who just try really, 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 really hard, burn themselves out, and you have other people who just hide, and they're passive, and they're paralyzed, and they don't try. They don't step out. I don't know what it's like for you. I'm just talking about me right now. <laughs> you're like, dang, you're messed up, Dave. Because <laughs> really, this has been a big problem in my life. But I know I'm not alone. And I know you want to be free from fear. So how does it manifest in your life? I, I don't know exactly. But let's more focus on the truth. So if the lie is rooted in a performance and it's rooted really all the way back in our rebellion, then really, isn't this a great thing? This is great news, that the gospel, the essence of the gospel is where freedom begins, where it always begins. But here it is right here, Romans 5.1. Listen to this, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. It begins right there, that our own rebellion, He has forgiven us and delivered us from that pollution of sin and reconciled our hearts to God, and now we don't have to hide like Adam. We don't have to wear fig leaves. We don't have to be afraid that God is mad at us because all that sin has been forgiven. We're justified and we're made right with God and we have peace with God. Let me take you to Isaiah 54. I know I lied to you. No, I wasn't lying. I'm just joking. I told you Psalm 27, but go to Isaiah 54. Maybe we'll go back to Psalm 27. Just following the Lord here. Isaiah 54. When I was deeply struggling with a fear of condemnation, I, was really struggling. I really thought I lost my salvation about three years after I was saved. I know you can't lose it. Where did my keys go, you know? Oh, whoops, where did my salvation go? You can't, but I was afraid. I really was afraid. I thought I was just struggling with a lot of condemnation and shame struggling with some things, and I really had an image that God was mad at me, angry with me. Again, it's just this deep fear of rejection. But I was also struggling with, like, like with ministry. I thought, God doesn't really want me in ministry. I've messed up. I was really struggling, really, really struggling. I mean, literally, like, almost walked away from Jesus. I relate to atheists. Okay, I just want you to understand, like, I really relate. <laughs> I've been there. So, I was really struggling, though I trust, I was trust, I was like, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm clinging to your word. I'm holding on. In fact, I probably wasn't holding on. He was holding on to me, right? And I, but this is what he told me. He said, you fear other people's rejection. Really struggling relations with people. He said, you fear other people's rejection because you fear mine. I said, that doesn't even make sense. You know? 
It doesn't even make sense, you know? And he took me to Isaiah 54, among other passages, but Isaiah 54. And it was one of those times, again, where he gives strategies, Holy Spirit-inspired, like I didn't even know. I just stumbled upon Isaiah 54, and he says, you need to catch this. And over months and over years, I just kind of stayed in Isaiah 54 and other places, and I'm bringing you here because this is prophetic to you, and some of you may need to actually do the same thing I did in camp here, but this is prophetic. But listen to what God says. In starting, we're just going to start in verse 5. For your maker is your husband. Okay, fine, go back to verse 4. Do not fear. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Again, if I'm looking for strategies in the Word of God and truths that will set me free, that might be a good one, a signal. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe God's trying to tell me something, right? Don't fear. Wait, why not? Don't fear. I'm about to cut off that lie out of your heart. Don't fear. Well, why? For you will not be ashamed. That's a root of fear, isn't it? Either because you have failed or because you're afraid of failing or rejection. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Now, this is a metaphor. It can be applied to women specifically, but I'm saying it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor of somebody who's been rejected by other people because they didn't perform. This woman hasn't been able to bear children. Barrenness. And so, you're not good enough. And men, it might be that, oh, you're not, good, you're, not a, you're not a man because you haven't done this, that, and the other thing, and somebody's spoken that over you, and someone's rejected you. But listen to what God's saying. Do not fear. Don't fear what they think about you. You will not be put to shame. No, I'm going to make you fruitful, he says in the beginning part of this. You will forget. You will literally forget the rejection that you've experienced. You will forget, not the sense of uh, mentally forgetting, but in the sense that it will be overshadowed by the joy of my own acceptance of you and my fruitfulness that I will produce in your life. He's just, God is, what is he doing? God is speaking. He's prophesying. He's speaking life. He's speaking promises over us that will break the fear of uh, fear in our life. And he says, for, so this is the basis right here. This is the truth that will set us free. For your maker is your husband. He's your source. He's your provider, your covering. The Lord of hosts is his name. Your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. He says, listen, I created you. I'm the God of the whole, I'm the sovereign God. I own everything and I will be your husband. Again, a metaphor, husband to wife, of a provider, sustainer, protector, supplier, source, saying, I'm gonna be the one who's gonna do these things in your life. And then he goes on, verse 6, For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. Listen, for a mere moment I have forsaken you. This is referring to uh, 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 the justice of God when we were in sin. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Isn't that what Jesus has done through the cross? Amen? That even though we were dead in sins, because of his great mercy, rich in love, he made us alive in Christ Jesus, seated on us with Jesus in the heavenly realms, right? And he says, so with great mercies I will gather you. Listen, with a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Then he goes on and he says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn, I have promised, I have vowed that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn, listen to the word of the Lord, church, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Do you hear what the word of the Lord is? He says, because you've been justified, you have peace with God. I've made a covenant of peace with you in the blood of Jesus, and I promise to you, I will not be angry with you anymore. It was my rebellion that caused me to be under the wrath of God, just wrath of God, dead in my sins. But he whose mercy is greater than his judgment has saved me by the blood of Jesus, right? And reconciled me to himself and he says, you have peace with me. You see what the Lord's doing? He's saying, your greatest failure, I've already redeemed it. You're afraid to get an F on a test or something like that. You're afraid of somebody being mad at you. But listen, I'm God. 
My opinion is the only thing that matters. And you sinned against me, and I forgave you. And I promise never to reject you, nor be angry with you again. Like the waters of Noah, and how he put a rainbow and said, I will never flood the earth again. The covenant promise of God, he has vowed in his own name. This is what it means to be in a covenant with God, amen? You are sons and daughters of God. Nothing can separate you from his love. And listen, it is that revelation, that truth, that he loves you and he delights in you, not because of your performance. If it was based upon your performance, we wouldn't be saved, right? We can't earn our salvation. He's saying, completely by the grace of God, I have accepted you. And listen, I delight in you. I know this is the word of the Lord. I delight in you. I delight in you. You know, I watch this even free my own family. As I just delight in them for who they are. They don't have to change. They don't have to do anything. And I'll tell you, when a person feels delighted in, they open up to you. When they feel delighted in, when they feel like they don't have to perform, earn, do, work, Like they could totally mess up and yeah, you might be frustrated, but you just say, I just delight in you. I like you for who you are. You don't have to change. They just, ah. That's why the Bible says perfect love dries out fear. This is what, we need this in our own relationships, right? But I'm telling you, it starts with God that if we would believe that we are delighted in by the Lord, the promise of his acceptance, it would break the root issue of fear in our own lives. This is what has happened in me. Over years, I just stayed in this place. I felt like God didn't like me. I felt like God didn't love me. I felt condemnation. And I said, you know what? But you love me. You love me. You delight in me. And that fear of his rejection broke off of my life. <clears throat> the, other, uh, the other truth Let me show you this in Psalm 27. Go to Psalm 27. I remember one time I was, I was uh, it was actually when I was new at the Bible college there at Life, years and years ago. And, um, yeah. I also went to APU. So if you're from APU, you don't have to feel bad. But um, I was really struggling with insecurities regarding relationships. Like I've told you, I, I've struggled with that. And this was kind of the beginning. As a new believer, I did not know even where to start. It's not like I had the idea, oh, I'll get free. I just said, Lord, I don't like the way I feel. You know, I don't like what's going on. And I, and I didn't even, and, I, and I, I began as I grew older, I began to see how these things were affecting my relationship and my ministry. But like I said, these, these truths in Isaiah 54, it wasn't me that figured this stuff out. It was the Lord, as I meditated this and spoke it over my life, that the Lord changed the way I thought, changed my heart to receive His love, but He exposed the lies. He said, you're, you're believing that lie, you're believing that lie. And He would reveal His truth. Well, here I am, I'm at Bible college, I'm sitting up on this, like, I think they call it the sunset balcony, I'm just spending some time with the Lord, but I'm struggling with some deep insecurities, whatever, you know, I was an emotional wreck, roller coaster as a new Christian, even depression and such. And as I'm sitting there, it was, it was a very interesting time, maybe like, maybe, I don't know, maybe the first, maybe the only time, maybe not quite the only time, that I heard the Lord actually say my name. And not necessarily audibly, but in my spirit. But like, sometimes when it's, it, he speaks in your spirit, it can be, it sounds loud. Like David. And I heard the Lord, Psalm 27. I mean, that's kind of cool when God gives you an address, you know? And, and it's not the only time that's happened, but it's never, not always that clear. And you know, Psalm 27, since then, has become like a core scripture for my life. And I'll tell you, I used to preach just this psalm, that it will, that psalm will break the fear of rejection in your life. In fact, it's actually Michelle's, one of Michelle's favorite psalms, or most, I would not favorite, but most important psalms. Verse 4 is painted on my office wall. <laughs> it, and, but I'm telling you, you start reading it, and you're thinking, who is this man talking? He's either lying or he's got something I don't have. 
Because he starts off in, in verse 1, and he says, <clears throat> Hello, come on now. Come on, Bible app. He starts off and he says he's not going to be afraid. Like, what are you talking about? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I mean, do you hear that? He's going to make me afraid. I mean, seriously, he's got attitude. You've got to read it with that. You've got to read King David with attitude. Like I'm telling you, he's like, he's going to be afraid. It's crazy. The guy's crazy. The Lord is, my, is the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me, like past tense, to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and they fell. He's like, man, they surrounded me, right? And then he says in the future, though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Go ahead and surround me. You had, bring, it, bring it on. Bring it all you got. Bring all you got. Surround me. Come on, come on. I'm not going to be afraid. I mean, like, literally, he's talking smack, right? He's boasting. What the Bible calls boasting in the Lord. He's talking a big talk here. He's either lying or he knows something we don't know. So, I see, I read that kind of stuff, like, in my insecurity, and I'm like, man, I'm, right? And a lot of times I tell you, our heart's disconnected from the reality of this stuff. We're like, yeah, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You know what I'm saying? We sing a song about it. No, this is it. That is freedom right there. If you would know... God is your strength. God is your warrior. God is surrounding you. Like greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Do you remember that one time when Elijah and his servant are hanging out and this whole army comes against Elijah and his servant? Like a whole army? And Elijah's like, the servant's like, dude, we're dead. And he goes, Lord, just open my servant's eyes. And, the, and you know, in the spirit, his eyes are opened up and he sees like all around them flaming chariots and like, angels and we're not talking like little cherub like cupid you know we're talking like buff dudes with some swords and like right the hardcore and why you got to be afraid right that's what david's saying he's like you can bring all you want but my god is my strength i'm not going to be afraid now i'm not saying david didn't feel the feelings of fear but there's a choice going on here isn't it he's saying one reality is greater than another reality And then he goes on and he talks about abiding in his presence. Verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, this that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's a strategy. It's a strategy, isn't it? He's telling you how he lives his life in the presence of God, gazing on the beauty of God. Worship, right? Because he says in that place, Verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. But listen, how do you get to a place where when you're in the time of trouble, you get hidden? You got to do verse 4. All the days of my life, right? You don't get to a day of trouble and say, I better put on my armor, you know? You, you don't get to a day of trouble and say, I better start meditating on the scripture. You don't get to a day of trouble and say, I should get some intimacy with Jesus. I should build up my faith in the word. No, no, no. D- David said, no, I've been doing my homework. I've been working out every day, right? I'm ready. Bring it on. These are strategies. He's saying it's in the presence of God. My faith is built up. I'm saturated in his presence and he's hiding me. He's hiding me. I- and so that day of trouble comes, and, and I'm right there hidden in the Lord. He goes on, he talks about worshiping the Lord and such. won't go into all of it, but listen to this. This is what hit me when I was, uh, I, don't know, I was probably 18. Verse 9, he says, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You're right there, I was 18. I didn't understand, but the Lord was showing me, Man, you're, I'm afraid God's going to let me down. I'm afraid God's not going to be there for me. I'm afraid God's mad at me. And listen to what David says. But you've been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, listen. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I remember being 18, and it was like, and I wasn't afraid my parents were going to forsake me, but we were having some rough times. But it was one of those, like, even if they forsook you, I am your dad. Right? Doesn't Romans 8 say God has not given us a spirit of fear, um, but uh, uh, the spirit of the father that cries, Abba, Father, in our hearts. Sorry, I messed that up. I was mixing it with 2 Timothy 1. And he's put his spirit inside us that cries, Abba, Father. We're children of God. And he's saying, your own mother and father could forsake you. I will accept you. Now, that's a tough one, right? 
That's a tough one, because that would hurt. Maybe he's not saying it's going to happen, but like, take it to that place. So what if you do fail? So what if people do reject you? So what if they do make fun of you? Not to say, hey, let's have like that kind of mentality, but what if they do? Imagine your worst fear. And God says, but I'll never reject you. And when you can get to a place where you're confident in His love, no matter what anyone else says, what is going to happen is the Lord begins to teach you about who you can trust. I mean, He's going to bring you to people who are good friends and a good church that can surround you and love you for who you are. But a lot of times what's going on is we can't even trust trustworthy people because we're not trusting the Lord. And so I'm telling you, even at age 18, I began to find a place of rest in this. Began, the Lord began to heal me and show me, I know you and I love you and I understand you and I love you for who you are. And began to put my heart at rest. And then he began to teach me, as he broke those, that fear of rejection, how to trust people, how to trust my friends and open up. Listen to what he says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Dismayed is when you actually see the army, the trouble, the lies coming, the accusation, the wind, the wave, the financial problem, and you just go, oh, and you just melt on the inside. All your courage drains, and you feel so overwhelmed by that fear and weighed down, and you just get zapped. And then that's where depression and discouragement can come in, but it's really rooted in this fear He says, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. And you say, how do I do that? And and God said to Joshua, and he says to you, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that one of the most repeated promises in the Word of God? Doesn't it say constantly throughout the Word of God? You go ahead and Google this. Do not fear, for I am with you. You just go and find out how many times that's in the Bible. Just go ahead and find out. Do not fear because I am with you. What am I saying? That the truth that will set you free is when you believe that no matter what, God is with me. It's the promise of his presence, the promise of his acceptance. But you know what else flows out of that? Is he promises you, if I'm with you, you can't fail. Think about Psalm 1. That he who delights... In the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That the the man or the woman who will walk with God and abide in the Lord and trust the Lord, he says, you won't fail. You won't fail. Joshua 1.8, just right before the verse that I just read, says the same thing. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. That you may be able to, that you may observe according to all that is written. And he says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. We're not talking about in your own selfish stuff. We're talking about in the will of God. He's saying, if you will trust me that I'm with you, And I will provide, and I will never leave you, and I love you just as you are. Think about like ministry or something. Think about your business. He says, you could fail, and I'll still love you. Oh, pressure's off. But guess what? Because I'm with you, you ain't going to fail if you'll meditate my word. Isn't that a strategy? Isn't that a strategy? Meditate my word. So here's what happened this week. Let me bring this to a close. I got a lot of other strategies, but let me tell you, we got to bring it to a close here. I could talk about Psalm 91. I could talk a lot of promises. Let me tell you, I think this is one of the tr- things that God hits more than anything else. But here's what happened. <clears throat> I went to bed earlier this week, and I don't know what it was, but I started entertaining fear. I mean, like fear of failure, like dread. Now, I get sucked into that from time to time. For the most part, I walk in a confidence from the Lord. I walk in a rest that He loves me. And I walk into confidence that he's going to do what he said. But let me tell you, I have to build up my faith often because I'm not necessarily strong in that. Let's just say it that way. Like now I know what the promises are. I'm getting stronger. But I have to really be on my guard. I really do. So this is one of those times. I don't even know what triggered it. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing pictures in my mind of failure. All right? The enemy wants to paint pictures with his words. God wants to paint pictures with his words, right? And I'm seeing this stuff, and I'm feeling this fear. I mean, it's a feeling, you know? 
I go to sleep like that, trying to kind of like just get over it and whatever. As I'm, I'm sleeping, or probably right, I probably woke up at like 3 a.m. or something like that. Wake up to the Lord saying, oh no, no, I'm sorry, I, was, I had a dream. I had a dream and I was preaching in the dream, like right here. And I was saying this, this is the word of the Lord for you guys. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. And I woke up and I knew it was for me. And the Lord was showing me something. I wasn't taking those thoughts captive. In fact, he began to speak to me. And I knew it was for me, but I knew it was for you. I thought, this is not a coincidence, right? And I'm going to preach on this this Sunday. The Lord's speaking to me, and he reminded me from Proverbs 4, guard your heart because everything flows from your heart, right? And you guard your heart by keeping the word in your heart and be careful what goes into your eyes and what goes into your ears. I was letting things into my eyes and into my ears. I was imagining things. I was listening to things. And I was letting that stuff play on my mind. And it's in 2 Corinthians 10 that it says, Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I knew the Lord was saying, Take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Take those thoughts captive. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let fear push you around. Don't allow the accusation of the enemy to paint that picture on your mind. And that's what I did. I got back to my game. Remember I told you, the Lord wants to teach us to walk in the Spirit. And what got you free is what's going to keep you free. And the Lord was showing me, David, you've been letting stuff into your heart. And you've been allowing that stuff to take you down that road. And he's saying, you've got to be on your guard. You've got to be careful what's going in your eyes, what's going into your ears. I'm telling you, he's saying this to me, right? And then you've got to be careful what you're thinking. I'm telling you, the battle's in the mind. It's always a battle of words. Now, how do you tell your mind where to go? What's the rudder of the ship? Tongue. Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. Your tongue is the rudder of your ship. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. From where? Your mouth. But meditate in it day and night. What does the Lord want you to do? What's the strategy? Be careful what's, be careful what's coming into your eyes and your ears. Be careful about who's telling you stuff, even. Or about media. Be careful about what's going into those eyes and ears. You guard your heart, and you keep that word in your heart. Listen, you don't need to entertain thoughts of rejection or failure as if they're true. They're not. You don't need to figure it out. Because Dave's, Dave Turner's like, but what if it's true? But what if it is? I need to stay on the word. Let it be unto me according to your word. And I begin to speak the word of God over my mind and over my heart and over my life and over my future. I begin to speak that Isaiah 54 and that Psalm 27 that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Whatever I put my hand to will prosper. I begin to speak that out. And it's funny how good I feel. Funny, huh? Funny. It's funny how all of a sudden I begin to see what God has shown me and what God has said to me. I see it. Oh, I see it so clearly now. I see it. Confidence rises in my heart. Take every thought captive. Don't let the enemy bully you. Don't let fear just plague your mind. You need to take every thought captive, which means don't be silent. Speak the word of God out of your mouth. Speak it. You tell your mind where to go, and you tell your body where to go by speaking the word of God over you. Not because it's positive thinking, because it's truth. Amen? Because it's truth, because God loves you, because you have peace with God, because he will never leave you nor forsake you, and whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Amen? Amen. So you take every thought captive. Let me just say this. Part of that is that sometimes these things are demonic. This is something God just showed me in worship. I just need to give it to you guys. Sometimes this stuff is demonic. When I was not a Christian, I flooded my heart with a lot of books and movies about horror stuff. I came, became a Christian, and the Lord said, you can't do that anymore. That and lustful things, right? The Lord was pretty straight with me. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I went to watch a horror movie, new Christian, like weeks old in the Lord. And I started getting sick to my stomach, almost threw up. 
And the Holy Spirit said, you can't do that anymore. Let me tell you, I flooded my heart with so much lustful stuff, but also so much fearful things. That was a lot of that spirit of fear. And even as a new Christian, I had to deal with a lot of those things in my heart. And there were demonic things. Listen, some of this might weird some of you guys out, but listen, there are demons in the Bible because there really are demons, okay? Not a myth. I have had demons show up in my room where I couldn't even move. That's freaky. That's, that's like, whoa, like you can't even defend yourself? I remember the first time I learned my authority was I was a new Christian, and all of a sudden, I'm going to bed after I've been reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, just crazy fearful images come in through my mind. Some of you have crazy thoughts go through your head, crazy thoughts, sometimes crazy images, fear, lust, mean things the enemy says to you, whatever, right? And you're thinking it's you. Well, it might be your flesh, but a lot of times it's the devil. He wants you to go down that road, that rabbit trail. Don't. You take every thought captive. So this is what I did. I was a new Christian. I was freaked out. New Christian, I said, in the name of Jesus. Poof, gone. Oh, that's a coincidence. No, it's not. I've had demons show up in my room. I was terrified. And I said, in the name of Jesus. Gone. Gone. I've cast out demons from people. I don't really like doing that. I mean, I want people to get free, but that deliverance thing's tough. No. Maybe that's a fear right there. I'm I'm confident. Take it out. No. I'm telling you, some of these things are demonic. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Right? You've got to speak His name. But don't just, in the name of Jesus... Speak his word too. Speak his word. Speak his word over your future. Speak his word over your relationships. Take that lie that you're believing and attack it with the truth of his word. Because the truth of his word coming out of your mouth is what? A sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always. Don't let sin reign your mortal body, but take every thought captive. Do you think, am I prophesying to you right now? I'm telling you, this is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Kurt. Lead us in response.